Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot 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 writer, foster child advocate, and this week, booster club budgeter. You really do do it all. Is that for the swimming too? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. And I'm Suzanne Kearns, mom and dot 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 writer, LGBTQ and sex ed advocate, and today co-hosting an online 2 million Texans training. It's from Texas Blue Action, and we'll put a link in the show notes for future trainings. So yes, if you're trying to turn Texas blue, look me up. (laughs) (laughs) And this week, we are so excited to be chatting with Demetria Burby. Demetria is a best-selling author, transformational yoga therapist, and consciousness coach that helps people reconnect with themselves. She sits at the intersection of the latest in neuroscience, biochemistry, and ancient wisdom of yoga. There's going to be some brain stuff, Missy. Are you excited? Oh, for sure. I'm excited. (laughs) She leverages these specific practices and knowledge to support people's transformation from a life of effort to one of ease. Mm. She is passionate about people rediscovering the vibrancy of life that comes when you are able to feel whole and connected in your life. Demetria reconnects people to the joy, happiness, and ease of a well-lived life. Doesn't that sound I mean, I love every bit of that. (laughs) You might just read that every morning. It almost just calms you just reading it. It is calming. "Ah, ah." Well, welcome. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I am a longtime listener and now a guest, so I'm thrilled to to be joining you in this way. Oh, thank you. Fantastic. I know Suzanne knows you. Do you want to share how y'all know each other? Okay, so well, I know you through my husband because you worked together. God, was it over a decade ago? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We were like babies back then, <laughs> and, and we literally had babies together, like within a couple months yes. of each other. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and then yes, and then we were just saying we ran a half marathon like a, a few months after that. <laughs> but well, we did not train oh, together. Dimitri lived in Portland, and we lived in Seattle, <laughs> oh, and so okay. we kind of. We were like accountability buddies, maybe, you know, like, yeah, making sure I showed up to the run really was (laughs) (laughs) that was the hardest part. You got to Seattle. But yes, our husbands still get to hang out. I feel like on a monthly basis due to like work stuff and all kinds of things, but we have not seen each other in ages. So I'm extra thrilled to have this chance to reconnect and catch up. Yeah. Yeah. And we talked a little bit about what you're doing, the amazing things you're doing, but we'd love to go back a bit to do some Demetria 101, if you could tell our listeners where your career started and yeah. how parenting and life has impacted the decisions you've made since. Yeah, totally. Um, I laugh about it all the time because when I think back, you know, to when Suzanne and her husband met me, I was like a totally different person as we all are. But um, I kind of laugh about about that person and, you know, like, how little she knew, how little Mm. she really knew. Um, But I was really focused on my career. I grew up, um, my mom's an immigrant from Korea and our family was lower middle-class, I would say. We didn't have a lot of money. And I was raised with the ethos that you can 
work hard and sort of make anything of yourself. And because we didn't have a lot from a very young age, my goal was to work hard to, you know, create a better life for myself and whatever my children were in the future. Mm -hmm. And I sort of dove into that 100% from a really young age and excelled, right? Like I put my mind to it and I did it. And so the way that I built my everyday life, my patterns, my habits was to just be like type A, workaholic, you know, super aggressive in wanting to climb the career ladder and be the best at everything that I could be good at, not necessarily because it was something that I loved to do or I was passionate about or was changing the world, but because I really was operating from this survival mechanism of, you know, wanting to ensure that I had enough money to put a roof over my head and to feed myself and my children and, you know, all the things. And so I happened to end up in advertising. I know Tuzan can relate to the (laughs) field. (laughs) Um, I got in really early in the data and analytics space and really thrived. And I spent about 16 or 17 years doing digital advertising and really hit the, the sort of peak of my career there and realized I didn't want that next job. Um, right. Like Suzanne, you, you shared this story about like, you know, you don't want the VP role. Um, and I realized I didn't want that next role that was there for me. It was outside of the current organization I was in. Mm -hmm. Um, it just like, I looked at it and I was like, oh, that sounds for me, not, not for me. Um, and my current job wasn't really conducive to the life that I wanted to lead at that point. I had, not young children, but they were, you know, still at home. Um, And I was traveling quite a bit. And so sort of the universe collided and I ended up making a move over to Nike. And I thought, oh, this will be great. I won't travel. It's right Mm -hmm. here in Portland. It's an amazing brand. It will be a complimentary experience to the one that I've just had and really excelled at. And I took that leap and, you know, it wasn't what I thought it would be. Mm. Um, I had had the freedom in my job to make my own schedule. I mean, that schedule was like overworking constantly with zero boundaries, <laughs> but they the love freedom. when you make your own schedule, when you make it longer than they would have. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, and I got there and uh, the reality was I had to be sitting at my desk or on campus for, you know, 12 hours a day. And so I just never saw my kids ever. And I realized I was walking while running, probably more likely from one meeting in one building to another meeting in another building. And I just like it hit me like a ton of bricks. And it was, oh, my God, I could put all my energy into this and I can be really successful here and, um, you know, sort of like have everything that I dreamed of as a little girl. But the cost of that, it was the first moment where the true cost of that, of -hmm. chasing that part of the dream hit me. Um, And I was like, I don't see my husband. I don't see my children at all. Mm -hmm. And if I continue to do this, I'm going to lose them. It's not sustainable. It wasn't an environment that was going to allow me to have both. And I, I sat with that for like a millisecond. And I think I like literally stopped on the sidewalk in campus and I was like, oh, that's big. And Mm -hmm. then I just like took off running to my meeting because I was like, (laughs) (laughs) 
I was like, it's big okay. and I will think about it again later. Yeah. I'll think about <laughs> like that at Maybe lunch. some other day I'll think about this, mm-hmm. but like I'm too busy, you know, to think about it. And um, yes. that was sort of the, the ethos of my life. I was too busy to like deal with anything or think about anything. And um, I think there's so many people out there that can relate exactly <laughs> to that. Like I'm too busy to think about what I should be doing with yeah. my life. Yeah. So that's painful to think. Yeah, it is. It is. is. And like, I mean, I've unpacked, I've unpacked the too busy a lot. um, Oh, yeah. Then maybe, maybe I've unpacked it too much. But, um, (laughs) but yeah, it's like, okay, so I had this moment where I had this just like really a lot of clarity. And then I came back around to it because I was like, okay, I really do need to figure out what's going on here. Is there a path to balance for my particular situation here or right. or not and just the situation for me at that moment was I need to get out and I told my husband and you know I hadn't been super happy there and he knew that and mm-hmm. so he was like you should just quit and I looked at him like no you just don't quit like that's not how this works you have yeah. to you know like that's that's not how life is and he was like, why not? Yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like I love when, um, when men or, I mean, my husband does this all the time. It's so simple. It's just so <laughs> simple. You just, just, you'd make the decision and then you just do it. And, um, another Our brains one, are like that, right. No. Our brains are not like that. And I, I realized that, you know, now later that I had this really strong internal belief that everything in life had to be hard. That you had to work hard, mm-hmm. that anything that came easy was not going to be good for you. You really had to like give a lot if it was going to be meaningful. And so this idea of just wow. like quitting my job was, you know, yes. just out of left field. But I or did it. even and- just doing a job that feels natural to your talents and your skills and your desires, like that has mm-hmm. a flow to it. I think a lot of yeah. people do think, well, it's not work because work is, yeah, work is hard. Work is work effort. Hard. Mm-hmm. And a yeah. little bit miserable. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> For a because, yeah. Right. <laughs> like there has to be the exchange. And so to get the money or the type of money that you want to be making, I really have to be unhappy. Because yeah, being happy, why should they pay me for that? Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, my God. I used oh. to actually say, like, if it was fun, they wouldn't pay us. When I was at my corporate job and miserable. I'd be like, they pay <laughs> us to be here because it's awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. I, go, I feel like the three of us came from the same peapod, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's kind of interesting because your current, your current role which, mm-hmm. you know, talk about flow and fitting your desires and your skills as, as a transformational yoga therapist and consciousness coach, mm-hmm. which we're going to get into what all that means, yeah. because honestly, yeah. I don't quite know. I, yeah. I need definitions. <laughs> I need explanations. But we've yeah. interviewed enough. You, know, you came from this world of data analytics, and it makes me think of a lot of the people that we've interviewed who've become coaches or therapists who have pivoted away from lawyers. How many lawyers have we interviewed, Missy? Like oh, former lawyers. I mean, we? at least once a week, I feel like we talked to a reformed <laughs> lawyer. But I got to feel like you went through that same, probably the mental process that a lot of them have shared with us. And maybe external feedback that you've gotten from other people, you know, with them, it's like, oh, you spent all this time getting this law degree, or you spent all this time, or you've been doing this you've been doing this for 15 years you're so good at it Mm -hmm. you know did you did you get any pushback or was your own brain the only thing doing the pushback 
Well, I think the way I sold it to myself and probably to everybody else was that I was retiring, right? So I was like, Uh I'm done working. I put in the hard work and I'm just going to be a stay-at-home wife. I'm going to be the best mom. Like, and I really believed that, right? Like I was like, I'm not pivoting to anything. I'm just pivoting to like being a lady that lunches. I was so happy. (laughs) I was so happy to live that life. I didn't even know what that meant. It was like so boring to me, right? I was like, I'm going to work out. I'm going to like make my kids lunch. I mean, like that idea of making my kids lunch blew my mind to have the time um, and to be home, right? Like, like those just like really idealized ways of being a mom were really appealing to me. And I was like, this is my opportunity. I, you know, had a lot of self-judgment around being a bad mom or not a bad mom, but an an absent mom, right? Like I spent so much of my time focused on my career and getting ahead and traveling and Mm -hmm. the kids were with nannies or traded off between my husband and I, as we were Mm -hmm. like five minutes in the house between flights, you know? So I just had a lot of judgment and guilt about that. And I was like, now's my opportunity. I'm going to be the best mom ever. And so I, I quit my job and I quit in July. And so that fall, I was like, here's my, here's my chance, you know, back and to school. I'm going to shine back to school. I'm going to be like, you know, all the things. And, um, <laughs> yeah, and I remember so vividly, it was our oldest 18th birthday and his birthday is in November. <clears throat> so you kind of get a, t- a sense of the timeline. And I decided that morning I was going to like, go get him a bunch of balloons. And I got him, you know, those big Mylar balloons by mm-hmm. 18 and like a huge thing. And I, I like, I'm so excited. I get it in the car. I get to, to school and I walk in and the, the front desk person at the high school was like, you can't, what are you doing here? <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm dropping balloons off for my son. It's his 18th birthday. And she was like, you can't be here. You know, like just so cold. And like, I was like, why not? Can I leave the balloon? She's like, balloons are not allowed. And I was like, oh, I'll just like put him on his car. And she's like, ma'am, you can't do that. And I was like, <laughs> totally deflated. So I'm texting my son, you know, I'm like, hey, I brought you balloons. He's like, please go home and just don't feel bad. Like, you know, like, it, like all this, this um, idea of being a mom that I had like made up in my head. And then the reality right. was that my kids were like, seriously, he was a senior in high school. Like, you know, he was like, yeah, he's a teenage boy here. going, please right. return to where you belong, not where yes, I belong. Which is not at school with me at, at 18. Right. And, you know, I just, it was another big moment for me of, oh, I traded the big title and, and like having that as my identity and way of feeling my own sense of self to attaching it to my kids. And mm-hmm. I realized in that moment what I had done that I really still didn't know who I was and that like identifying as just like the best mom in the world was actually covering something else that was missing. And that's (laughs) what kind of threw me into the tailspin of like, oh my God, who am I? What am I going to do with my life? You know, and that was sort of the hardest moment was having to ask those questions. And a lot of moms, it takes the full 18 years. It only took you those six months to... (laughs) to have that realization. I was too busy busy the rest of the 18 years, right? Like I had not been willing to ask those questions because I had filled my life with work. And it sounds like in talking to you, this all came easily. Like I figured this out and then I figured this out. But in your book, Return to the Light Within, which Suzanne has behind her, um, 
you've been really open about having struggles with anxiety. So mm-hmm. was that something that it was part of your life prior to making these decisions? Did it really come to a head when you were trying to figure out who you were and realizing you didn't know? Mm-hmm. How did that present itself? Yeah, I think when I really look, I probably have had anxiety since I was a child. And just didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what it was. I, you know, it's not like we were having those conversations in our house at home. Yeah. Um, my parents were always working. Um, so, <laughs> but throughout my career, I would definitely feel anxiety. And for me, anxiety is like getting caught in overthinking, over planning trying Mm. to um, like perfect everything or control everything so that I knew exactly how it would go or I could accommodate any variable that would happen, right? So like if somebody was coming, if we were having people over for dinner, I'd try and think of like every scenario of anything they might want to make their night enjoyable. And then I would try and make sure I had all of that available to people. It's so exhausting. And It's not possible. (laughs) You can't accommodate every single whim or request in life. And it's also not expected, right? And and that's what I didn't understand. Somewhere in my mind, I thought that if I could think of every scenario that I could solve this feeling that I had inside of me. And before I left the digital advertising world, I had gotten to a point where I would not leave the house. And I would just sit in my office and like thin. And it Mm. just was like overwhelming. And I just like was paralyzed. Mm. And I knew at that point that it had gotten really bad. But I also, I had been through the path of, I was on anti-anxiety slash antidepressants, right? Because it's a lot of times the same medication Mm -hmm. um, for 10, 12 years. Um, and I was starting to wean myself off of it at that point because I was like, I'm taking medication and it's actually getting worse. It's not getting better, but it, mm. I hadn't realized that. And so, yeah, it it was sort of this digging into who I am and what do I stand for and where does my self-worth come from that shifted all, all of the anxiety mm-hmm. for me. I'm so excited for you, this path and where it's brought you (laughs) and what you've learned about. And now you are taking what you've learned and helping clients with primarily one-on-one sessions, correct? Or do you do anything with groups? I do. Like sometimes I do workshops with groups. I teach at a local yoga studio here, but my primary format is one-to-one. I just think people feel really able to be vulnerable and to share and work on your specific version of what anxiety, what trauma looks like for you and get into how we can work with the inner workings of the body, like Mm -hmm. your neuropathways and your biochemistry and how we can work with how it presents for you specifically, because everybody has their own unique sort of patterning, right? Like I shared mine is that I grew up in this sort of interesting household that was not really wealthy. We didn't have a lot. I had this sort of component of the American dream and being able to work yourself out of that poverty. And it programmed my brain and my nervous system to operate in a certain way. And I applied that the rest of my life. Mm. Right. And so knowing that, and then being able to shift that 
that template, if you will, is what al- allowed me to get out of it. Now I need Ooh. to know about because yeah. I, I, so I enjoy outline. I need yeah. to know so many things. <laughs> let's start. Let's start ten years ago. No. Um, yeah. Okay. So transformational yoga. Mm-hmm. Tell me. I'm so interested about this. Yeah. I've heard yeah. of like there's I know of hot yoga and like hatha yoga mm-hmm. and like there's some different varieties. So now yeah. what uh, does the transformational part pull into all that? Yeah, so transformational yoga therapy is basically taking the whole of what yoga is and applying it to specific needs or challenges that you have in your life. So it spans from sort of mental health, which is where my focus is mental health, trauma, anxiety, to um, helping people with cancer, right? Like the field is pretty broad, but the idea of behind it and the way that it works is that we go in and help with a specific ailment and help wow. bring balance into the life. And another major component is that it's paired with the medical side of it. So mm-hmm. we're looking at not just yoga, right? Like the ancient teachings and what they knew, but with current science that's backing up why doing this particular thing is helpful and what is it actually changing in your nervous system? What is it changing in your blood chemistry? And what is it changing in like your endocrine system or your lymphatic system, right? Like how are we using really specific movement or breath work to affect those things. So it has a full layer of science underneath it, which, you know, for me and coming from data and I'm an engineer by education just makes me so like, I get giddy because I'm like, oh my gosh, there's a thing that really works for me. And there's like real science that's behind it. (laughs) And that merging for me, like it just lights up both sides of my brain. So that's, that's what it is. What is the process timeline like? Is this something that people start and they work on for years and years? Do you do it for 10 weeks over the internet? Like, how does it? I want nuts and bolts. I'm taking a nuts role and bolts. of Suzanne. Yeah, my, ooh, I'm yeah. going to do the brain stuff and you do the nuts and bolts. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. 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 So I do all of my work online over Zoom because we're coming out of the pandemic and it makes yeah. it accessible for people. Um, other yoga therapists will do, you know, in-person work. That might come for me later uh, and we'll see. And they're usually weekly sessions. So you start out with sort of a longer intake session. We talk about all, all the parts of your life, what's, what's going on for you. And then we follow up weekly. And sometimes you move to every other week as you are able to build some of these things into your life. And right. it depends on the sort of situation and the person. So Six weeks is probably the minimum time period. But then I have clients that I've worked with for, you know, a year. And it's sort of just part of their maintenance, right? Mm -hmm. Their mental health maintenance. So is that like six weeks they work with you and then they learn the core things that they continue to do in their day-to-day life? Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And And really transforming that brain part of it. Like the neural (laughs) pathways, like it has to become part of you. Yeah. Yeah. And the reality is, is that as we're working, you're changing. So what Mm. I would do with you week one is going to be totally different than week six and very different than week 12 or week 50. Right. And so it kind of, I mean, it obviously depends on the client, what they're interested in, but 
for me, I'm constantly learning, right? I'm always like, there's always a level deeper to go. There's always more to learn about myself. There's always more aha moment. Um, you know, they mm -hmm. happen for me almost weekly, which is surprising at this point. I'm like, oh, there's more. <laughs> I love that. I love it. Right? Yeah. So now if, if you were watching one of these sessions, just to the naked eye, does yeah. it look like yoga or how is it different? Yeah. Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, no. So I would say it looks like almost a talk therapy session for okay. part of it. So there's a lot of dialogue. There's a lot of understanding what's going on. And then half of it or so, depending on the session, is going to be traditional yoga, mm -hmm. which may be what you know about yoga and it may be something different. So yeah. um, sort of westernized yoga is, is movement. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think when people think of yoga, you think of Western studio class. Yes. That's mm -hmm. what I thought of it, right? Mm -hmm. You think of hot yoga, power yoga, but yoga has a lot, a lot more to it, right? Um, breathing is a really big part of it. So, you know, breath work is so sort of popular right now, yeah. um, but it's part of the yogic tradition. And a lot of the breath work that's being taught actually comes from yoga. It's just not in the Western world connected. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll do breath work. We'll do sort of mindfulness. There's, there's a whole gamut of practices in yoga that we'll tap into. So there's definitely movement because it's so important. And also mm -hmm. I like the movement because I think of it as the Trojan horse, because you can, you can move, like we all know to exercise when we're not feeling mentally well, but what we don't know is all the ways that it's changing our nervous system and biochemistry. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. even if you're not like mentally able to get there, you usually can force yourself to do a couple of poses and then we can reset the nervous system and then go from there. So it's this like beautiful Trojan horse to get in and yes. change things without having to think about it so much. Oh, I mean, I know. I'm and all I might, in. Why I'm like super, super excited about this right now is my son was diagnosed with scoliosis uh, a mm. few weeks ago. And so he's going to be wearing a full brace for like till high school, maybe till high school graduation. So, but part of also the work is going to be doing the Schroth therapy, which something I had never heard of until a couple of weeks ago, but now we're buying mm -hmm. an entire like Swedish wooden bar set to put up in our workout room for him to be able to do therapy. And so much of it is just holding one position and then breathing into a particular section of your rib cage. Which, yeah. which Missy, does this go against all of my woo-ness? But I was like, okay, lady, you're going to have my son breathe into his like lower vertebrae, whatever. But I mean, just seeing the science of it and seeing the physicality of it and how everything kind of plays off each other and how it just impacts every part of your body. I'm being much more sold on this. I'm being more <laughs> open-minded to things. And it's, yeah, it's really interesting, just the breath work part of it and how it can impact so many different parts of your body so yeah i just i think it's fascinating the physicality Dude, and the mental i think it's really it. lovely like sorry i just totally spoke over you i'm just excited i am sorry <laughs> but i love the undoing of that like you were saying that you've always been like it has to hurt it has to be mm -hmm. hard it has mm -hmm. to be and Demetria said earlier that she thought life should be hard yeah it doesn't have to be there's really subtle things and i think 
culturally, maybe we're starting to come around to this a mm-hmm. little bit. And maybe mm-hmm. the pandemic had something to do with that when we all slowed down. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But it's really beautiful to think that we can make change without hammering it into mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. And I think what's fascinating for me personally in my journey is that when I make big progress is when I'm doing something that feels good for myself on in my mm-hmm. body or it feels good to me. And then I'm like, oh, this is possible, right? Like I didn't mm-hmm. know this was possible. Now I know it's possible and I can go explore this thing that actually feels really good. Mm-hmm. And then when you're going and being curious and you're exploring that thing, then, you know, new new things open in your life that you didn't mm-hmm. know you were going to get into. Yeah, it's amazing. We brain want to stuff, talk, Missy, brain stuff. It's brain stuff. And <laughs> yeah. it's a perfect lead into, we want to talk <laughs> yeah. about the consciousness coaching piece of it. Mm-hmm. It, I'm assuming they go together, but is it something you do yeah. separately or does it always go yoga, consciousness? It's two different things. Uh, they're both the same exact thing and two totally different things. If that's not confusing enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, perfect. So some people love to get into the work through yoga and don't necessarily want to talk about like woo-woo stuff, don't want to have those conversations, um, aren't really prepared for it. So yoga is a great option if you are you know, like you actually just have a problem. Like I'm dealing with anxiety and I've had some help with that. Like mm-hmm. yoga is the way to go. Um, mm-hmm. That yoga therapy is going to help you and get you to a place of balance. The consciousness coaching, you know, maybe you're like, I don't want to do yoga. I just want to explore more about myself and what else is out there beyond what I'm currently aware of. And so I have people that do just one or the other. And oftentimes they just sort of like end up merging down the road. Yeah, it um, sounds like it. Yeah, but the consciousness coaching is really about exploring what's possible for yourself. Like what else is possible? I think so often we are set in like, this is reality. This is my truth. I know I was. And then you might hit a moment in life where you're like, oh, wait, something that I was so sure is true is not true. Like it might be fact to you. And then you realize it's not. And what does that mean if, um, right, like, Suzanne, if you're like, oh, my gosh, actually, like this breathing thing does do something really important and you had some really strong belief about it before, that might be like a moment for you where you're like, wait, what else do I think is true? Mm -hmm. And maybe there's more to the story here. And so that coaching is really helping people explore that. Like, what else is possible? What else could be true? Where are the places in my life where I'm holding on really strong to my beliefs rather than like holding them in our hands? Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're on the audio only version of this, like holding on tight, your fists are like gripping to things, gripping to your beliefs. And how do we just like open up our hands and hold our belief, but also allow for more? How do we like Mm. see what's around that belief? How do we explore what's around that belief and allow sort of new different information to come in and assess what that means for you? I love that visual of it. I do. Like I actually felt my hands relax. Oh. right you're like oh we are like this a lot I'm like this a lot I know yeah. 
Well, especially even with the breathing, I didn't realize, like, I was almost hyperventilating because I would go to the breathwork classes and the physical therapy stuff that my mm -hmm. son's going through. And just as a mom, I have you ever noticed that, like, how much you hold your breath or you, like, yep. you're doing the same movements as them if you're watching them on the court or if you're watching <laughs> yeah. them do something? And so I would do kind of the same things. And I was like, I don't think my body's ever had this much, like, pure oxygen in it in one hour. <laughs> and it's so, I mean, there's just that yeah. piece of it. But I'm, yeah, it has got me thinking, like, okay, if it can realign a spine, like, what what else can it do? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I love that you talk stuff. about hyperventilating because one of the moments I had, and I've talked about it in some other interviews, but. I used to run all over campus at Nike at the big campus and you have your meetings just like literally everywhere. And I wasn't eating. I wasn't like, you know, doing anything for myself, like mm -hmm. to function. Um, but mm -hmm. I would, I started doing this thing where in between meeting, I would run up and down the stairs to get to different floors, not for fun. And I, um, I was about, it was like, what? Was like more no. running? Uh, more running, no. And I would find myself in a stairwell with nobody else in it. And I would like hide almost. And I would like tuck myself in a corner and I would just take a deep breath. And oh. like, I would just spend a minute and take a deep breath. And at the time I was just like, oh my God, my body just knew I needed like a minute mm -hmm. to pause and like literally do something for myself. And the only thing I could do for myself was take a breath, which is a sad, sad scene when I look back on it, but it was my reality. And now like having been through so much training around this, when we take a deep breath and I'll talk about like what a deep breath is, because it's different than what most of us think it is. We actually change the pH of our blood. So in that millisecond of taking a deep breath, you shift the pH of your blood. And when you do that, your blood realizes that it's like your body realizes it's safe. Your, your blood knows that it is at the right pH and it releases the oxygen it's carrying from the blood into your cells. So you, you're breathing, but your blood, when you're hyperventilating or not breathing, your blood's holding on to it because like, you know, when you're starving, your body holds on to the fat, right? We all know this <laughs> as women, we all, we've all heard this. So yeah. your body holds on to the fat. So don't starve yourself, right? So that your body releases the fat. It's the same with our blood and oxygen. When we're not breathing properly, the blood holds on to the oxygen because it doesn't think it's going to get more. And it's trying to dole it out to yourself in the way that it thinks is best. But when you're breathing properly, it says like, okay. And so you get this rush of oxygen that's actually feeding your cells and it changes. It will change how you feel completely in that second. Um, I mean, that's okay. Talk us through taking a deep say, breath. Like, I let's say, I think we need to talk about it. that. Yeah. yeah let's so take let's a deep talk breath. about a deep breath. <laughs> so um, for me, when I heard like, take a deep breath, I heard, you know, like inhale, like take a yeah. deep breath, take a lot of oxygen in. But what you're doing, and it's funny that you mentioned hyperventilating because like something like 60% of adults hyperventilate just all the time. Yeah. Not, not like in a moment. We just are constantly hyperventilating. And I was like, that oh, can't be okay. okay for us. It's not okay for us um, for a lot of reasons. But, um, yeah. but it's interesting. I was like, no, no, no. When my professor was teaching this, I was like, no, no, no. I don't hyperventilate. I don't breathe. Like I hold my breath a lot. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, oh, no, when you're holding your breath, it's because you've been hyperventilating and you have so much extra oxygen. Your body is forcing you not to breathe because you're over oxygenated. 
Um, so like really blew my mind. Right. Because I was like, there's no way I hyperventilate. And he was like, you like number one sign. If you catch yourself holding your breath, you've been hyperventilating. Cause we've all caught I, ourselves doing that. Right. I hold mm-hmm. my breath a lot. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the art of a deep breath, what you'll do is you will just first notice your breath, like feel your breath come into your lungs, right? We don't normally think about this, but just taking one breath to inhale and exhale and just notice that. Okay. (laughs) And then the next one you're going to count. And so you're going to inhale and count the number that it takes you and you're going to exhale and you're going to really slow that very first part of the exhale. So right when you change from inhaling to exhale, you're going to exhale, but it's going to be really, really like the slowest you can. And then you do that. And then about like halfway through your breath, you just, you exhale the rest of it. So you're not trying to like exhale until it's uncomfortable. You are just trying to like let your breath out slowly. Mm -hmm. And what we're doing is we're extending the exhale. So you want your exhale to be longer than your inhale. And that causes your blood to have more carbon dioxide in it. And when it has the additional carbon dioxide, that's what changes that pH of your blood, which signals the body to release the oxygen. It's so counterintuitive. I don't know why the science works like that. So don't ask so me amazing. That. <laughs> okay. But I need it. I need ah, oh, we're getting close to the end, but I need to I know. This. Because <laughs> this is this is where I was starting to hyperventilate the other day because she was trying to explain how to belly breathe. Like, oh, and I've heard, I've heard this once before too that if like if you're ch- too much chest breathing, that your body almost thinks like it's like <gasps> like it's almost like a startle response uh-huh. and mm-hmm. versus yeah. the re- relaxing like into your diaphragm belly breathing. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. got to tell you, I mean, she tried all these tricks. She's like, put a stuffed animal on your chest and one in your tummy, and you know, try to breathe mm-hmm. so the one on your tummy goes higher. And both mm-hmm. of us are like, no, oh, we're a mess. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so we're so, a little yeah, woozy. It's super normal, Suzanne. <laughs> super normal. Like it will take us weeks when we're taught when we get into breath work and yoga therapy. It can take us weeks to get into diaphragmatic breathing because it is not something most of us do. Yeah. And we haven't built the muscles to support us doing it. So it takes a lot of time. Like it's taken me probably six months to really be able to properly breathe. Interesting. So, So, okay. When you say muscles, you don't mean like, like muscle memory. You mean like literally like my ab muscles? <laughs> like I mean, yeah, like your diaphragm. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And the muscles surrounding it and supporting it aren't built up or used because yes. as a society, we are taught that we don't emphasize that there's zero practice, yeah, right? right? Like we aren't taught how to do it. So unless you're really thoughtfully breathing properly and like build that into your muscle memory, it, it's really hard to to like get yourself to breathe differently. So don't don't feel bad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Like we I'm need... so energized to figure it out. I know. It's... I know. And it's gonna be I... a lot. It's probably gonna be like me trying to figure out my Enneagram type. I think it's gonna take a few months. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna take little bits of aha moments yeah, yeah. Uh, for a while. And and I I am glad that I'm being forced to actually kind of do this with him in that yeah. I think it's good for both of us. But mm-hmm. it could be yeah. life changing. I mean, breathing, it literally is 
the number one thing in life. And I think a lot of us are doing it wrong. So yeah. Oh, well, back to the consciousness coaching, right? Like when I think about, you know, when I, when I first introduce it, people are like, oh, it's really woo woo and out there. And I'm like, yes. And no, because we're unconsciously breathing, but you can move that into conscious breathing and completely Mm -hmm. shift so much in your life. Right. So it's not necessarily I mean, we do, I do get into like pretty out there things with people. Like, yeah, I, I, I definitely am like on that end of the spectrum of woo, but, <laughs> but there is so much like right here in our bodies and in our, our lives that we interact with every day that we just are on autopilot for. And if you can just become more conscious of it, the way that it will shift your life is, is really incredible. Yeah. And what was my word for the year, Missy? Intentional? I yes. mean, intentional equals consciousness, pretty much. Right. Yeah. I just really can't 100%. think of anything more grounding. Like, forget the woo-woo. <laughs> like, knowing your body and taking care of it and being aware of it is very grounding. Mm-hmm. And we're Absolutely. just, we aren't taught that at all. No. Yeah. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. We should have started with that because now we need a part two. That's all of the like actually how to. <laughs> like, yeah, but no, actually, I'll come back and do we'll, it. We'll just have to do it again. Well, you know what? And y'all who want to know more about how to do it, how do people reach out to you to find out how to book a session with you or book six sessions with you yeah. to learn how to do this? <laughs> or a year's worth? Yes, fifty-two. Uh, yeah, um, you can find me at my website. It's findingluminance.com. And also I'll send you guys a link. I have a free workshop on yoga for anxiety that just, it's like an hour. It talks about the nervous system and how we interact with it. It's totally free and um, will give you a good basis for like what's actually going on in your body. So if that resonates with anybody, um, definitely log in and check out that content. Yeah, we'll put that in our group and I'm going to do it. Where's the best people? Or where's the best people? Where's the best place right for people here. to find your book, Return the Light Within? Uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's probably the easiest place. Okay, we'll put links to that in the show notes. Do you have another book in the works that I want to spend some more time talking about the book? But we'll have to save that for part two. Yeah, um, I don't have. I have a second book out, which is more of a workbook on self discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know there's a third book, but I don't know when it's coming. It hasn't, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll find out when it when it actually comes through. Who knows? Yes. Oh yeah, Missy and I say that a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're familiar. We're familiar with yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Terrific. Right. Well, guess is it time? I to guess look it's time. Yeah, I think it's time. And uh, if anyone's here for the first time, we're really glad you're here. And at the end of every episode, we do a look, listen, learn. And it is just something we might be reading, listening to, learning about ourselves, classes we're taking, whatever it is. Sometimes it's silly and sometimes it's amazing and life-changing. And we do not like to put our guest in the hot seat. So Suzanne, tell us what you're look, listening, learning. All right. Well, mine is not life changing, at least not my look. Um, We've been watching what we do in the shadows. I love it. Oh, have you watched it? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I feel like it's one of those shows that I discovered, but it's like in season four. (laughs) I don't know. Story of my life. I know. I'm like, oh, I'm so like on top of it. I'm at the cutting edge of, you know. I'm so behind in it, but I do love it. Oh my God. So for anybody who has not watched it, it is basically, it's kind of like The Office, but with vampires. 
<laughs> and oh my gosh. And yeah, I had to like look up a quote to sum it up online. So the quote I found is so a look into the daily or rather nightly lives of four vampires who have lived together for over a hundred years on Stanton Island. Um, <laughs> of all places on Staten Island. I know. I think it's so it's funny. It's so funny. But my favorite one, one of them is an energy vampire. Which is basically like he's just the most boring dude. Like he doesn't suck your blood. He just sucks your energy by being so boring. Um, and then one of the like guys that's relatable. Oh my god! It's yes. so, I know it's probably the most relatable. And one of the guys is kind of this non-vampire intern that's trying so hard to like be accepted by the vampires. He and wants to be a vampire so badly. Oh, so bad. But he basically just does, the, you know, schleps around and does their dirty work and stuff. Oh my God. It is so funny, especially because we're just coming off of uh, Better Call Saul, you know, marathon. And so mm -hmm. after that, it's just so light and silly and just funny. Just funny, funny, funny. And huh? where do you find it? What, where what, is what that? streaming platform I do you find it? No. Is oh it my... Hulu? Oh, shoot. You know what? Because we have Apple TV and just everything's just like in there. Yes. And yeah. so I never know where creepy. it comes from. It's like you've been watching this on a you know this platform and you watch this on yeah. that platform. I want to um, say Hulu. And if it's not Hulu, I'll Hulu. edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have it in the show notes. We'll have a link to it in the okay. show notes. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see here. And I'm listening to Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel, who oh, wrote Station uh -huh. Eleven. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't usually read too much about the books before I read them because I want to be kind of surprised and delighted along the way. But I think I'm so confused. I'm going to have to listen to it again. So I'm going to do y'all a favor and just let you know it is a novel of art time love and a plague that takes the reader from Vancouver Island in 1912 to a dark colony of the moon 300 years later. It was that moon part that kind of confused me. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think audiobooks, again, I probably shouldn't do them when I'm driving and stuff. I think I miss some nuances along the way. Mm -hmm. So maybe not Or everybody. I miss a turn. Well, really and then I listen yeah. to it when I'm going to bed. And sometimes <laughs> I think mm -hmm. I black out. I don't know. Yep. But anyway, yeah. So there's a moon involved and colonies on the moon. So if you all are like, wait, how'd they get from Vancouver Island to the moon? It's apparently because it, it takes place 300 years later. So there's okay. that. But it's very good. And it's good enough that I'm going to I really want to get it. And I'm going to listen to it again, maybe in two times speed this time. And <laughs> I am learning about my Swedish wall bars, which are shipping today. So if anybody does not know what those are, they are imagine like a really wide ladder that goes up to your ceiling, basically. And then at the very top, there's like a hanging bar and you can do all kinds of stuff with putting what are those bands bands and uh -huh. stuff around it for resistance um, but primarily it's going to be used for hanging and stretching spines around here and helping some back problems so um uh, i have found some videos where people do they use them almost like stripper poles like you can do some really oh. like exotic things <laughs> and you can do what are the are they called silks or whatever because there's oh, a yeah, there's yes. a hanging bar yes. that you can attach mm -hmm. from it and you can do all kinds of silks and these gorgeous things and i've been struggling with vertigo for the past two weeks i'm like just watching the videos i was like nope 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 i'm just gonna be upright <laughs> just <laughs> makes you dizzy to think yeah. about it but who knows yeah. maybe i'll work my way up to doing something upside down and sexy on it we'll see <laughs> then we're gonna need to post some you pictures let us know. yeah you let us know about that <laughs> i will or maybe i won't <laughs> what about you <laughs> what about you demetria <laughs> 
Um, I have been watching, like somehow I got on a kick of um, documentary type stuff on Netflix. So we watched the story of, uh, I don't even know, Man- Mantia Teo. Um, so he's a football player, a college football player at oh, Notre Dame yeah. and gets, he's kind of like the first big catfishing story yes. That's and right. it is wild. Yeah. It's like so wild, um, what is going on. And then we watched the Woodstock documentary over the last couple of days and that too, is kind of wild, but they both take place in like, well, Woodstock was in 99. It was Woodstock 99 and, oh, okay. um, the, the football thing happened after that but not a lot a long time after but it's this really interesting snapshot into our culture society where we were at at that moment Mm. and um and it was sort of shocking because like I was alive then right like sometimes you're watching documentaries (laughs) you're like I don't know what that was like I wasn't alive then Mm -hmm. whatever um it's interesting but I was like oh my gosh yeah like this is the way that we were behaving this was our attitude towards women then and like I felt that and oh it's actually changed so much so these two documentaries just give such a great snapshot into where we were and Mm. I think for me gave me a lot of insight into how far we've come um, across a lot of social aspects of um, our existence Mm -hmm. Um, and how you know like still there's the stuff that that is pervasive but definitely not not to the degree it was, you know, 20 years ago, which um, we don't often stop to think about. So those were, those were two really interesting sort of moments. Oh, um, I I could use I could use a little of that living here in Texas. (laughs) I need to to know we're making progress. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're definitely sliding in some areas, clearly, but, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, like the sort of like, the Woodstock 99 documentary really highlights bro culture and and like mm-hmm. the sexual assaults that happened there and why they were happening and how the women were treated. And it's just yeah. super interesting because it, it's like that was a moment. It was a three day weekend, but uh, but it was really just how women were treated in general then. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I hope yeah. that we're not still in that place. It doesn't feel right. like it to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, interesting. OK. Put them on the list. Better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And well, you're probably learning stuff all the time. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, I, on the Enneagram side of things, I definitely have the investigator is like one of my primary things. Oh, now and which so, one is that? What number are you? Five? Five, maybe. Okay. Five. I'm a five, one and like six or something. Like I have multiple that, that are right up there. And then like everything else is pretty low. Um, but yeah, I'm the investigator. And so for me, I like get on a topic and I'm just like diving deep. So I'm constantly looking at what the latest research is around Mm -hmm. yoga and like literally anything (laughs) like, like what, what did they learn out of that study? You know, and they're all, um, like NIH sponsored, studies which I think is really interesting that the government is investing in studying yoga um so yeah I'm constantly digging through like science which is sadly really exciting for me (laughs) that's not sad I think it's no I mean that you're just think of all the people that you're helping because you're you're distilling that down to what they need to know and right and and impacting their lives and trying to distill it down you know sometimes I get too caught up in in all of the science (laughs) oh my gosh okay you look 
I cannot talk today, Missy. Too much camera. I've had a hard time today, too. I don't know what it means. Are you looking, learning anything else? Is it my turn? Oh, I I was asking Demetria a bit. You're going to have to do some serious editing. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. These are my favorite parts of the podcast when we don't edit this stuff out. So, you know, I I say leave it in if I have a vote. Um, But I mean, listening, I, you know, I have been obsessed with Dua Lipa. Um, for a while and she doesn't have any I don't think she has a new album out or anything but I um, I love her music it feels very um, to me she represents this um, powerful woman that is not like overbearing and she wears very little clothing and does it in a way that feels like she feels good about it not that like the industry has made her or like society is you know putting her into some box and yeah um and so it feels really like grounded power, um, feminine power. And so I just love that. And I feel like it comes through her music. So um, anytime I'm like driving in the car, I always have like a little Dua Lipa on. Now I'm in the mood. To- I know. I'm going to go <laughs> do what some I- downloading. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Do it. Maybe what I listen to while I get my stuff done this afternoon. I know. Try it. It'll feel good. <laughs> Yeah. Oh. Okay. Oh shoot. Yeah. Okay. Are you, do you have a few more minutes for Missy's yeah. look, listen, learns? Yeah. yeah. Or we can let <laughs> we can let no, you go and talk. I want to hear ourselves. all about it. <laughs> all right. I'll try to talk. Missy, what are you look, listen, learning? Uh, so I just listened to "Flying Solo" by Linda Holmes, and I think I'm pretty sure that my one of my look, listen, learns a long time ago was Evie Drake starts over or Evie Drake starts over. Mm-hmm. Um, was her first book and. Loved it. Still in the same setting. It's set in Maine, which is one of my favorite oh, places on the planet. And yes. um, it's great. It was. It's a great book for in between when I do my creepy, twisty thrillers. Now, are you Loved like it, me lo- and Maine's your favorite place on the planet and you haven't actually been there or have you been there? I've been there. Okay. Because <laughs> it's one of my favorite been places there. and I've never been there. I'm and, assuming. Yeah. I almost did not come home with my family. Uh, uh, <laughs> like this is where... I'm meant to be now. I haven't ever been through a main winter, mm. so yeah, probably gonna have to reserve deciding if it's truly my favorite place. Get uh, your summer. I'm so there. hot all the time. It sounds great to me. Like yes. just surround me with snow. Sounds fantastic. <laughs> but they're okay. You said these are kind of creepy. No, they're not. It's they're a good not... break from oh, my it's creepy. A break so like every okay. like say. So listen to a thriller and then I try to listen to something lighter and do the same with my books try to read something where I learn something and then read something a little lighter um so this is a great easy listen so sweet I love the narrator I will look up the who had narrated it put in the show notes because I really love her voice um so that is what I just listened to and then I just started reading bookends by Zibby Owens um so she was a guest a while back i can't remember when that was we'll put the episode in the show notes but i just started it i haven't gotten very far but i love what i've read so far so i recommend that and um i'm not really learning anything this week but (laughs) something did happen to me that i'm like i need to lock that down and remember so when i get kind of in the weeds and i'm stressed and i'm busy and i think my hormones have been a complete disaster um, ever since having surgery in May, like I've just been out of whack, not quite myself. And when I get like that, I forget to check in with my people. 
Mm. And I just, I don't even, I don't even think about it. The idea of making a phone call is sometimes just too much. Yeah. Um, and so I had a, my brother actually reached out this week and called me, which is weird. So at first I was like, who's dead? Um, yeah. Oh gosh. We text yeah. a lot, but not phone call a lot. Yeah, so yeah. when it was, I was like, uh, hello, but he was just calling to check in. And afterwards I, I thanked him and I told him like, I didn't know I needed that, but I've been in this phase of just not reaching out to my people. And I realized how long I've gone between conversations with some people that I talk to on a more regular basis. So I have to remember that even when we don't feel like it, that's probably the most important time to do a check-in. And it doesn't have to be anything serious, but just talking to the people in your life who know you best is good for you. That's a really, really good one. Okay. That's it. That's what I got. When I come back, I'll tell you why that's good for your brain. Oh, oh yeah. my gosh. Right. Okay. Yeah, we're going to do or I can tell you, you right defi- I can tell you later. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have to come back. We need a part yeah. two because I feel yeah. like we only did the very surface of what it is that you do. We'll we have you back when deeper. we think we're breathing right and you can tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do a whole episode of us breathing. People will yeah. love Love that. it. <laughs> we did do that workout episode. We did a... Facebook live episode of us working out in our closets. Yeah. I still do the push-ups against my wall. I Good love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's the only way I can do a push-up. It's dangerous because the door slides. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now I won't need the ball because I'm going to have my Swedish wall bars. Y'all, yeah. you're going you're gonna to see love way them. too many pictures of those. Oh, do you have some? No, they used to be at the, um, I mean, I used to go to bar um, uh-huh. and yeah. we had them there and yeah, you can just when you're hanging, I mean, you've experienced it, but you just feel your spine like just there's so much space created. It uh, feels so good. So good. Yeah, it just stretches everything. And then mm-hmm. there's other things where you lean back. Oh, oh, that just felt yeah. like you're just doing it in my chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do a chair workout episode. <laughs> Get fit while you sit. Yes. Love oh, it. my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we have kept you past your time. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us today day so excited for the next time we have you on to follow up with all the other exciting things well thank you for having me so fun as always chatting with you (laughs) you too all right well i'm so excited to do some of these look listen learns and yeah we'll talk to you all next week all right all right Bye. bye thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot 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 podcast We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group all of our socials and our questions and comments section over at our website momandpodcast.com thank you so much for your support we appreciate you so much now go out there and make your ellipses count